Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Now, David was greatly distressed, but why was David greatly distressed? Later on in verse six, what does it say? It says, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Now, this is where we take a turn. This is where it gets important. This is what really matters. If you haven't tuned in to anything else, tune in now because this is where it gets important. We've seen David talking with himself, taking counsel from himself, didn't go so good. We see what Saul did. Saul went and found, sought counsel from the dark side, went horrible. And now here in this latter part of verse six, what did David do? Even though his all, every, where's he gonna go now? He can't, he can't go talk to his friends. They're not his friends right now. They're, they're mad at him. They're upset with him. Who's he gonna talk to? What's he gonna do? What does it say that he did? But David strengthen himself in the Lord is God. Some versions you might find, some versions may say encouraged himself. You just have to, but, but the same thing, encourage, strengthen, whatever. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. He went back to God's faithfulness. He went back to God's goodness. He went back to that place of Psalm, of Psalm 56 that we just read. He went back to that thought process. God, you've always been faithful. You've always taken care of me. You've never left me. The first thing we see, because it kind of goes on as we read through this. Let me read through this real quickly. We'll make a couple of points and we'll close out tonight. Lots of good stuff to think on. In verse seven, it says, then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Now he's wanting to discern, you know, the leading of the Lord. So he brings the ephod over. One of the ways they used to discern the leading of the Lord. And David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, God answered back, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went and he had 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Bezor where those uh, stayed who were left behind. But David pursued and 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook. These are something they're just too wiped out. You know, all the emotional drain, they've been on the road three days prior to that. They got home, you know, just, it was just too much. It just were spent. So a couple hundred guys just stayed back there uh, with whatever they had, whatever the stuff that they had. But I want you to notice something that God told him would take place in verse eight says, and without fail, you would recover what? All. Who is it that took this from them? Who was it? The Malachites is the ones that took this from them. A type of the flesh, the enemy working through the flesh, the enemy at work taking and robbing, came to rob, kill and destroy. But you can recover you can recover those things. You remember how the Bible says that God will restore that which the, the years that the cankerworm had eaten away? This is that kind of truth. 
playing out for us in, in real life, you know, as we watch it work through and see what's happening and how, how David dealt with this situation. Because the desire is to recover, get back that which Satan has tried to rip us off for so many times. But how did that take place? And I, I think this is just a couple of little thoughts here. The first thing we find is that latter part of verse six. Where, where did David go to get strength this time? Where did he go to get encouraged? He went back to the Lord. He didn't strengthen himself within his own mind, trusting himself, did he? He didn't go like Saul did to the medium. He went to the Lord. Where should you and I go? Where should we go? Just to God. We should simply just go to God with our issues, with our struggles, with our problems. Man, there was no place else for him to turn and praise God. He went to God, you know? He went to the Lord. You and I, we want to regain. I think we should want to regain that which the enemy would try and rip us off for. I'm telling you, we're sitting in a group and this isn't a super large group, but I guarantee you there are family members, close family members that without repentance, without getting right with Jesus Christ will perish. This is a simple fact. It could be moms, could be dads, could be brothers, could be sisters, could be aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins. Then we won't go any further. It could be kids, could be grandkids. We'll perish forever and ever and ever apart from repentance. That's serious business, man. That's a deep concern. That's Satan wanting to rip them off, right? I would want to recover that. Satan's not my friend. The world's not my friend. My flesh isn't my friend. I'm supposed to, the Bible says to each of us, we are to crucify it with its passions and desires. Not pamper it, not pacify, crucify. Absolutely, utterly destroy it. The Bible says that's been done on the cross if we will but appropriate that truth in our hearts. We will receive that into our lives and walk in that newness of life, not obeying its lusts and desires any longer. That's a paraphrase, but that's basically what's said. So the thought there is strengthening ourselves in the Lord, going straight to God, wanting to recover that which Satan would, would want to steal away. It is a battle. We are engaged in a battle, but how is that battle going on? We wage war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. It's a spiritual realm. But our warfare is not carnal or fleshy in that sense. In our circumstances, it's not fleshy. That warfare is to be done through prayer. We have the power of prayer. That's where the battle is done for the pulling down of strongholds. Those things that hold people in bondage. It's, a difficult, it's difficult in the sense of the persistence and, and staying with it in the prayer mode for these people and being clear and specific. You know, to me, it's, it's just not something, yeah, well, you know, I just pray that they'd get right with Jesus. Are you kidding me? I, I, I'm, I'm a passionate man when it comes to this. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I don't think that's going to get it. I don't think it's going to get it. You know, I can track back in time, many times, where God has moved upon my heart and I have been so broken over a situation that I just couldn't even do anything but just plead the blood of Jesus Christ for the, and plead for God, God, please. 
I'm, I'm pleading for their souls. I, I really believe that this is what it's gonna take. Brothers and sisters, we're in a dark hour in the United States and in the world. It's not time to mamby-pamby and pacify. Oh, well, you're okay, you're okay. No, who are you to say anybody's okay? You can't say that apart from the blood of Jesus Christ and them confessing that. It can't be said. And we have to be men and women who are passionate about this. And this happens on our knees, pleading for the souls of others. You are a believer in Jesus Christ because somebody pleaded with the Lord Jesus for your soul. I believe that. It might've been a grandparent. It might've been a friend. It might've been a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, but somebody kept pleading for your soul. God, please, please. But it's not just God, please. I really believe it's a fervent prayer. I really believe that. And I believe it is, involves us to some extent in that get out of the way. When somebody's gonna crash and burn, just let them crash and burn. Quit picking up the pieces for them. What good are you doing? What if you, by doing that, are preventing the crash and burn that leads them to Jesus? Now, were you helping? Really? See, we've got to go one step past that kind of pacifying love and go into passionate love and care for other people. So the kind of prayer I'm talking about goes more like this. I'll just give you my version of it. You modify it, do what you want with it, do nothing with it. But I believe I've watched people come to the Lord through this kind of fervency. Not because I'm Mr. Fervent. I'm just saying, this is what I've learned. It's scriptural. One, God, no one, no one loves this person more than you. No one. And I know that because you gave your son for him. God, you said in your word, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I'm praying for this soul, this friend, this person. I use their specific name. God, I'm praying for him. And I'm asking Lord, that whatever it is that's in the way, whatever is blocking them from seeing you for who you are, I pray, Lord Jesus, you would move that out of the way. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ by his blood that Satan be bound in the realm of the spirit, be bound long enough, just long enough that that person, Lord, could see you for who you are, the one who truly loves them, the one who really can help them in their need and their circumstance. God, I'm, I'm asking that you would bind Satan just long enough. And I'm asking at the same time, if you would loose your Holy Spirit upon them, that they would be drawn to you, Lord, that they would see you. And if you see Jesus for who he is, how he loves you and how much he cares about you, who would turn away from that? So God, I'm praying for them and I'm praying, Lord, that whatever Satan's using to hold them bondage, that they would be set free from that, that they'd be able to see you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to have the right words if I have opportunity to speak to them. If I have, Lord, please quicken me in the spirit that I would be sensitive to your spirit, to your leading, that I would not say things that would interfere with this process in any way, Lord. Because I know for sure that oftentimes, it gets right to the very bottom of the barrel. Look at where David is. And finally, he's now he's going to encourage himself in the Lord. 
Everything's gone. And actually, everyone's against him. Where does he go from here? All his mighty men now are, are upset with him. Oh, is he going to go hang out with Saul? I don't think so. Go hang out with Achish? Well, not now. They're in battle and you can't go there. Where is he? I mean, he is in a bad spot. He is stuck. And he's looking up, looking for God. Please, if you could hear what I'm saying, it's not going to take, it, it doesn't, we can't take our, our Western mindset of, of just instant everything and, and, and entitlement concepts into everything. It doesn't work that way with prayer and with God. This is all his, everything's his. It's God's. And we really have to petition him in that way, saying, God, I know it's your desire. The Bible says in James, the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I am not righteous, you are not righteous in and of ourselves, but you are righteous in Jesus. We have been imputed righteousness and we have access, come boldly, he says in Hebrews, to the throne of grace. In that time of need, come boldly to that place and bring your, your prayer, your need, whatever it is before the Lord. This is what he tells us to do. And we're to step into that, not in the confidence of ourselves, of anything we've said or done right or wrong or anything, nothing like that, but that we have been, we've given our lives to Jesus. So we come in the very presence of the Father, in Jesus' name, clothed in the righteousness. Now, the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So now I have confidence that what I'm bringing to the Lord, the Lord's gonna, but see, are you going in there pleading for them just, thinking, I, you know, I don't see anything's going to really change, but you know, that is not a prayer of faith, brothers, sisters. That's not a prayer of faith. God is going to move when we pray. God is on the move and that's why you're praying. God's not obligated to move because you pray. God's already on the move. God's the one that's stirring your heart to pray for those people. But Satan, I think sometimes gets in the way and we just think we toss up this quick, yo, I'm just praying for so-and-so. Well, okay, that's wonderful and good, but I don't know that that's really what we're talking about in battle this way. I'm not thinking that when David's asking and talking to the priest and dealing with the ephod thing and bringing this before the Lord, because this next thing he does, the first thing we saw what he did was he really just encouraged himself or strengthened himself in the Lord. He, he went to God, but notice as it goes on, it says that he made inquiry with the Lord. He made inquiry. I mean, he not only was trying to encourage himself in the Lord, in his own walk, but now he's going to make inquiry about the matter. He's going to ask God directly about the matter. And God gave him them direct answers. He made, asked questions, God answered. He sat there, he asked, God responded to him. I think sometimes we're like, dump it off and boom, we're out of here. See, prayer is not monologue, prayer is dialogue. Prayer is interactive between us and the Lord. God's stirring your heart, God stirs my heart to pray for people. The fervent, effectual prayers. So fervent, we've kind of, you've seen my idea a little bit. You've got a glimmer of my concept of fervent. You get the idea. And I'm telling you, to me, I know sometimes it's, it's a battleground. 
Think of the hours you'll spend trying to help someone, thinking you're helping someone. I'm just gonna say that because I think sometimes that's all it is. You're thinking you're helping someone. Hours and hours of time invested thinking you're helping someone, thinking you're doing them this good service of whatever it is, or, but, but really you're preventing the crash and burn that needs to happen. But you're helping them and you feel good about it. And I guess that's what matters, right? We gotta be serious about this stuff. We, we, these are hard things to talk about. We have to talk about because they're spiritual because I don't want your friends, your family, my friends, my family to perish. I'm serious about it. So if I'm gonna be serious about it, I have to talk about the serious parts of it. Because if we're just gonna just say, well, you know, God, I just pray for them and, you know, just hope they'll be all right. And in this time and frame in which we live, I don't think that's gonna work. I just don't, I, I, I don't think that's where we're at. I think it's a much more specific. So the effectual, fervent prayer. So effective, how do I be effective? We kind of talked about that. The, the discussion of what that prayer might look like or, or how it might be more effectively constructed. Effectual fervent prayers of a righteous. We talked about the righteous. And then you've got to have the faith, the concept, availeth much. The confidence in not ourselves, not in our prayer, not, but our confidence is in the Lord that God can move on these matters. It's so important. It's so, so, so important. And then let God do it again. The time we would spend thinking we're helping people, what if we just took just a chunk, a small chunk of that out and actually really prayed for those people, pleaded with God for those souls? I think these are times that are challenging in our world and I think it's, we're in desperate need of that kind of prayer. So he's strengthening himself. He's praising the God, God about this the past and looking to him, trusting the Lord in it. He's praying, he's making inquiry, this prayer. He's listening to the Lord. God does answer him. And then I like verse nine says, so David went. He went and did whatever it was that he was supposed to do. Have you ever been in maybe that spot where you've gone and you've told somebody, you know, the way we're going about this and I mean, I've told people just, people tell me some things are going on. And I just look at them. I look at them seriously. I tell them, you know, I, I, I'm praying for you. People that didn't believe, but I just tell them, I'm praying for you. Now, oftentimes I have been asked, please don't anymore. Okay. <laughs> just because things start going bad and they're starting to equate this timeline a little bit and they're seeing what's going on. And, but the thing is, is they can't stop that. Think about that. Nothing can really stop that except for us, our own selves. Satan can't stop that. You can pray in the spirit in the grocery line for those people in front of you, and the people that are pushing you behind you, people that ran their carts under your ankles, you know. You can pray in the spirit for these people. No one can stop that from happening. They can try and block all the vocal public prayer. They can block all the things they want, but they can't stop you in the spirit from praying. And those are effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous that we are, and they will avail. They will conquer. God will do a work through it because it, the prayer started in the heart of God. That's why you got reminded about it. 
And that now it goes back in a complete cycle when we bring it back faithfully to the Lord. Lord, I'm praying for that soul. I'm praying that that soul, we've watched several people in the last few months give their lives to the Lord at services. Are we fervently praying, God, I know it's gonna be difficult for them. I know the enemy's gonna come in and try and rip that seed that was planted in their lives. God, protect them. Please, Lord Jesus, protect them. Watch out over them. As I'm saying that, I'm telling you, I'm praying right now because I, I can see the faces and the hearts. I, I, I just, I want them, to, want them to follow effectively with the Lord and have a, a blessed, blessed journey with Jesus. It's just this idea of we've got to get outside of ourselves and see things the way the Lord sees things. Sees the circumstance the way the Lord sees the circumstance. Don't make it into something, paint your own world about it. Just go into the closet with the Lord and just, God, how do you see this situation? How do I fit into this if, to stay in line with being effective in the kingdom? How, how do I fit into this? Am I doing good? Is this, is this, is this, am I not being helpful? Am I interfering, Lord? A lot of times, I think a lot of times we really don't wanna ask those questions because if we ask them, it may mean that we have to do some change up. That's what's happened to me. I've had to do some change up before and like, oh, ho, 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 sorry. I committed to that. I thought I was gonna be able to, I thought that'd be helpful. Absolutely not. I am not, that is not helpful. I am not doing that. And I'm real sorry about that. You know, it's, it's horrible, I, you know, but in the long run, it ends up being more effective because it's in line with the will of the Lord. Man, what a great thing. Do you see how the enemy can work and get in our heads and get all this stuff spinning around where we're doing this and doing that, and, you know, and trying to, oh. Man, what a challenge to look at things and say, God, I wanna see things for the way you see things. I wanna strengthen myself. I wanna make inquiry. And then I wanna move, take action on it. That's what we saw. He was worshiping the Lord. He made inquiry through interaction with the Lord. He heard from the Lord. And after he heard from the Lord, man, he, didn't, he was a doer of it, wasn't he? He was a doer of the word. And then we saw what was the result. Ultimately, we see it in our next study. He regained all that had been taken. That's radical. Job, same thing happened to Job. He was more blessed after than when he started. That's heavy stuff. But you and I, we will hang on to our three little marbles as long as our fist can hang on to them. For fear that's the only three marbles we'll ever get. I just say, throw them. Let her go. See what God will do. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening to the message today. You know, I was thinking about Jesus being that good shepherd. And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. You know, we just kind of think of that as a door that on hinges that opens and shuts. But really, at that time period, the shepherd was the door himself. He would lay across the opening. And the sheep would have to kind of cross over him and get through him to get in and out of the sheepfold. And he said, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal 
and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You know, Jesus was never just a hireling for you or for me. Jesus loves you with a perfect love. He gave his life for you on the cross. He wants to give you life abundant as spoken of in the scripture here. He is the access into everlasting life. Maybe you've been distant from the Lord. You tuned in and you've, you've gone to church before. You've opened your life at one point, but now you're just living out in the world and, and away from God and you're feeling the, the hurt and the shame and the conviction of the sin. Well, Jesus wants to forgive you again in a fresh new way. He wants you to get started on that journey again. And, and maybe you're hearing this simple gospel message for the first time and you want to give your life to Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you and God wants to give you a chance. Just pray the simple prayer with me. Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want to invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. I want to thank you for the free gift of everlasting life that you've given me now. And I thank you, Lord, for all your goodness, all your grace. And I just ask, Lord, that you would flood my heart with your Holy Spirit now, that my life might bring you honor and glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain. Come, Lord Jesus, come.